0: Welcome to a very special five-part Christmas edition of Sacred City Vision Drip. Over the next five days, as we approach Christmas, I'm going to pull from the hymnal five of my most favorite Christmas hymns, and I want to call your attention to some of the most beautiful lyrics that have ever been written so that as we sing these hymns together in church or you play them in your homes, your appreciation for this music deepens. So grab some hot cocoa, put on that Christmas sweater, get that Spotify playlist ready, and let's dig into some of these great songs together. Okay, I gotta admit here, I'm a little late to the game on this. I had this idea this morning, and I just couldn't... I couldn't go on without doing it. And so, like I said here in the intro, I'm gonna take the next five days... and These aren't gonna be too terribly long a podcast. I just wanna, you know, sprinkle a little something-something in here for you, uh, for your meditations, for uh, just a, maybe a bit of a devotional as we are uh, approaching Christmas. And uh, actually, this came from this morning. I, I was... Um, I've been fighting this cold thing and I I could tell in my spirit that, um, that, that I've just been really hesitant in in my celebration of Christmas. I know it's hard to do when you're laid up on the couch for a couple of days, but whatever. And I was like, I, I refuse, uh, I refuse to not be joyful. I refuse to not let the joy of Christmas sort of wash over, over me every day. And so I spent a little bit of time this morning in my devotionals, but then I just spent time uh, listening to some of my favorite uh, Christmas hymns. And uh, um, and they gave me this idea here as we come to the to the final days. We got, you know, it's December 20th. We got five days left till Christmas. I want to share uh, just some thoughts, some reflections, just share even the lyrics. So there's not going to be super insightful things said here um, as much as, you know, putting a spotlight on, on insightful things other people say. Uh, and so I wanted to do that for you um, to help stir your f- heart. I almost said stir your fart stir your heart uh, as we get to Christmas. Man, I should edit that. Um, and so I'm going to give you my top five Christmas hymns that, that I can think of at the moment. So, um, and we're going to build up to the, to the first one. And uh, my first hymn that I, Christmas hymn that I want to talk about um, is called come thou long expected Jesus. Now here's the thing when we talk about Christmas music. So in my, in my book, there are two things, two main factors that make a Christmas song. Great. Um, one is the melody. Uh, and I think this is a great melody. I love this melody. Um, I'm not going to sing it for you cause you can look it up on Spotify or iTunes or whatever. Go to hymnal yourself and play it on the piano. Uh, great melody. But the other one is, uh, Christmas hymns are some of the most theologically rich, robust songs that we have in the church. And I think so much so they're so robust, so rich that we ought to be singing them all throughout the year because they're just money. And, uh, and I think this is one of those too. So, um, let me just give you a little background here on come thou long expected Jesus. It was a hymn, uh, that was written by Charles Wesley, one of the, the, um uh, hymnist greats, um, and let's see, I'm trying to find a uh, a year on this. I, I can't see it right off the top of my head here. Um, what I want to do is just read the lyrics and, uh, and give a little bit of thought here to a couple places that stand out to me. So the first verse says, come thou long expected Jesus. And I, I love that um, this song is a perfect Advent song because it's, it's, true in both senses. Okay, so come thou long expected Jesus in the sense of, um, you think of Jesus' first advent, his first arrival. The people of Israel longing for that Messiah, all the prophecies, Isaiah, that, that are speaking to this Messiah, the Savior that will come um, and save God's people to, to set them free, as it, as it goes on to say. Um, and so there's this real historical context um, or the r- real historical feel of this longing for for hundreds and hundreds of years for God's people to to see the arrival of this Messiah, who's going to set things right—that the promised one—all the way back to Genesis chapter three of of the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent—and um, so it's it's true in the sense of of Israel's story, this long expected Jesus, but it's also true in our our. Time domain, right? Jesus has already come, and so uh, what we're doing is is saying, "Jesus, would you come again?" Just as as the Book of Revelation uh, ends, "Come, Lord Jesus, come!" Like we're, we're as Christians, we're praying this. In fact, I I just I've been uh, reading through Revelation through uh, this chapter day, the Feast to Flourish Bible reading plan, and I just it's like Revelation is like the best book to read during Advent, I think. Um, and so it's it's really the same same sense of what what the the israelites wanted this this arrival of of jesus to come the messiah to come uh, we're praying for the same thing he has already come but he's going to come again and set all things right once and for all. And so I love how there's this sense this line is true in both, both time frames. come that long expected Jesus born to set thy people free. Um, Jesus didn't just come to show us um, how to be a good guy. He didn't just show us, you know, like what it looks like to live a, a decent life. He came uh, to free the captives. And there's this line um, in, in um, the gospel accounts where um, John the Baptist um is, has asked if Jesus is really the Messiah, if he's the one that, that God has promised. Um, and then Jesus reports back to, to, to John's followers, um, that he is, he's, he's come to give sight to the blind and to, you know, and he, this, this prophecy. And, and the one thing that he leaves out is to set the prisoners free, um, because John is actually currently sitting in prison and, and John will, his, the rest of his life will be in prison until he's beheaded. Um, but anyway, this, this idea that, that Jesus has come to set his people free, that he's the one, um, that sin is, is our captor, um, that that under the law, um, sin condemns. Um, and, and Jesus has come to free us from, from our sins, not just that, but from our fears. The next line, born to set that people free from our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. And this is a good call back to uh, uh, Hebrews when he talks about the Sabbath rest, that Christ is our Sabbath rest. And so um, we just think that Jesus has come uh, to give us rest. With, you know the fact that Jesus comes is, is, is why we we celebrate Sunday to worship on the the Lord's Day on Sundays, um, the rest day on a Sunday, um, being on his his resurrection goes on, Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. And I just love this. This talks about the, the universality. Is that a word? The, the universal nature of, of the human longing um, that every heart desires this freedom, this comfort, the strength. Um, and it can only be found in Jesus. He's the desire of every nation. He's the hope of all the earth, um, the strength and consolation. And I I love that it's also a callback to Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, the prophecy where Isaiah says, for unto us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, Prince of peace. And so there it is speaking to the strength and consolation of Jesus. Now, um, Verse two, born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king. This is amazing. You know, the story of, of uh, the, the, the nativity, the, the birth of Christ um, is really a very political story. People, we just don't realize that. We don't understand um, the political uh, overtones, the political nature of this birth story and just how crazy it is. Because here we have, um, in the time um, King Herod is reigning over the land of Israel, and he is not necessarily, he is not a, a friend of the Israelites, so to speak. Um, and, and what Jesus comes, he comes, you know, we say he comes as an infant. He does. I'm, I'm not saying we say it like it's not true. It is true. He comes as an infant. Um, and he comes in this very vulnerable state. But at the same time, he's coming in power. He's coming um, in, in the flesh, though weak. Um, he, as, as the Messiah, is full of, of God's power and still has this king, this child-born a king, um, and that's actually one of the reasons you don't you, you skip over this a lot. But in Matthew chapter two, it talks about how um, King Herod's threat—he was so threatened um, by this 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 newborn king that the magi's were speaking to him of that they were seeking the the wise men—that um, that he ordered an infanticide. That he ordered for all. Uh, Jewish children under the age of two Jewish boys born in a certain time frame uh, to be killed because he was so threatened by this king this child king um, and so we sing sing this born a child and yet a king born to reign in us forever now thy gracious kingdom bring and so this speaks to the reality that that the kingdom of Christ uh, it, it claims initially um, in in the human heart but but it doesn't stop there the kingdom of Christ um, is is over all the cosmos. There's not a square inch, as, as Abraham Kuyper says, there's not one square inch of all of creation that the Lord Jesus doesn't place his finger upon and say, this is mine. And so here we see Jesus claiming his kingdom. It uh, goes on, by thine own eternal spirit rule in all our hearts alone. So we want to to dislodge all of the idols, all, all of the things that keep us from yielding to the lordship, the kingship of Christ. Uh, we want to be ruled by Christ because again, going, back. He's the strength. He's the consolation. He's the hope. He's the desire. He's the joy of every longing heart. That's what we want our hearts to be ruled by. He keeps going on. By thine all sufficient merit, raise to us thy glorious throne. Raise to us raise us to thy glorious throne. I got that switch around. Raise us to thy glorious throne. Now, of course, this, this is speaking of resurrection, this being raised with Christ, the way that we can ascend into the heavenlies is through the person and work of Christ. Uh, And so, man, what a, what a loaded, loaded, loaded hymn. And so I, I encourage you, as you as you listen to this, reflect on these lyrics, just see how, how all of this got like these tentacles that reach into a bunch of different scriptures. And you, I just got to say this, if you're going to write a Christmas hymn, you got to know the scriptures well. And here we see Charles Wesley doing that with skill. Um, now, let me share with you one of my favorite recordings of this. There's lots of great recordings um, of, of Come That Long Expected Jesus, but uh, um, one of my favorite bands, Future of Forestry, just released, a series of YouTube videos. They, they put on this concert at Liberty University, and it is mind-blowing. Beautiful arrangement. He, he arranged it, performed it. He's actually conducting a whole orchestra while singing it. It's incredible, guys. And actually, it's so good that I used it as the intro and outro music to this special edition of Sacred City Vision Trip. So listen, whether it's this recording or you got another recording of the song that you love, I just want to encourage you to sit back absorb it enjoy the beauty the truth of it and let it stir your affections for Jesus this Christmas that does it for part one of the series come back tomorrow for part two come thou Jesus, born to